Welcome to Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Shelly and I are just talking about some crazy stuff. I'm Greg Tito. I'm Shelly Mazzanoble. We were talking about how her mother likes a Rage of Demons t-shirt. She loves her D&D wardrobe. Yeah. Thanks to Tito... My mom gets D and D T-shirts on a right. fairly regular basis. I'm I make write the songs and also the D and D T-shirts. <laughs> and you make the whole world cry. I make the whole world cry. That is definitely true. She loves them. She's got a Dritzed one. She wears that a lot. She's yeah. got a Neverwinter one. But the Rage of Demons one was just there was just something so adorable about my mom and Rage of Demons. That is pretty adorable. Doesn't have a care in the world about what she's wearing. She's Contrast just, that with my mom, who's like. Why are you wearing that? Oh, your mom. Are the demons angry at you? I knew it. Yeah, exactly. Did you incite the demons? Did you demons incite the demons? That's again? The next, that's the next adventure. Incite the demons. <laughs> incite the demons. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff going on with this episode of Dragon Talk. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we are talking about uh, uh, a new Dungeons & Dragons show. Uh, popping up everywhere. Yeah, from the uh, people from Funhouse. So we're going to have two of those uh, who are uh, associated with the Rooster Teeth team. They already have their Heroes and Halfwits show, and they're coming out with a new show, and we're going to hear all about it. Um, it's a, another Dungeons & Dragons live play show coming from Los Angeles, wow. which is seems to be like now a like, new mecca for... Is anyone for... doing anything in L.A. other than playing D&D? Apparently not. I don't think That's so. all we've heard about on the Movies Hollywood Reporter. Not getting made anymore. Yeah, well, actually, no, in the D- New York Daily well, the, News, they were talking the about the D&D, the D&D, and the D too. The D and the D. Yeah. My dad saw something. I think in our local paper. I don't. In the Binghamton Press. The Binghamton Press and wrote about Dungeons and Dragons. He'll send me things every now and again. Well, did you know about this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know if he thinks that, like Hollywood just goes off and like says, let's just make a movie about Dungeons and Dragons. Right. And doesn't tell us. You know. But now you know. Yeah. I'm like I yes I did know about that. And then you're lying too because you come to me you're like Greg I didn't know this was happening anymore. <laughs> I'm too busy with Avalon Hill. I don't, I don't know. know what's happening. I can't get out of this house on the hill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get much reception in there. <laughs> Terrible Wi-Fi. No, cell phones do not work <laughs> in the house on the hill. No, they don't. They really don't. Chainsaws, yes. Yes. Cell phones, no. Yes, unless you go. Oh, that was a spoiler. <gasps> spoiler. Ooh. Yeah, you have to make the sound though. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right, so, yeah, that's coming up on the horizon. Widow's Walk, the expansion yeah. to Betrayal at House oh, on the Hill. Oh, exciting news. What's that? It's on its way. It's in a container. Yes. I know, it's in a container, and it's on a boat. And yeah. for when, I mean, I guess these are just emails that the logistics yeah. team sends out normally just to be like, oh, by the way, we're still on track. Here's where it's at. Right. And I swear to God, I, I almost I almost cried at my desk. Like, when you were like, it's out there. Oh, my God. It's I know. coming. It's like... On its way. So we talked about it, I think, last week. Is it, is it closer now? Has it gotten farther along? Did I already tell you that? I think so. No, I don't think I told you that. All right. I think I just got the email. Well, I hope it... Oh, you know what? It was the container that uh, 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 Stefan Picorni was talking about uh, uh, of, of stuff coming over from Dorm, oh, yeah, Dorm yeah. Forge. He was talking yeah. about that container. Yeah. The reason containers in my mind, because anytime anyone says shipping container and things therein, mm-hmm. I think of the wire, which is a terrible, terrible thing. And because thing. you love the container store. And because, because I love like shipping container stores. Organizing yes, where you can buy things made out of shipping containers. We have uh, uh, Storm King's Thunder is coming out very soon. Uh, end of August, it will be in game stores, sept- yep. uh, October uh, 26th, and then it'll be available to everyone September 6th. So go please check that out. Uh, PAX you, is you coming mean up. September 26th? No, September 6th. But you, what did you say? I said August 26th. Did no, I say I October? I said October. I'm sorry. I pronounce the wrong okay. months all the time. I know, sorry. Right. So I'm coming here. June 26th is <laughs> my 30th birthday. 2013. <laughs> Get ready, everyone. <laughs> time keeps on slipping <laughs> into the future. Uh, but the very cool thing about PAX this year is that, of course, you'll uh, be able to watch Acquisitions Incorporated in your local movie yeah, theater all around the country, all around the United States. My dad's going to call me and go, did you know about this? <laughs> did you know that this was happening? I would if I listened to the podcast. Well, tell him uh, <laughs> uh, he can buy a ticket and go watch I will. Uh, just like he's in the Benaroya Hall he here in Seattle. He can take my mom and she can wear her Rage of Demon shirt. Dude, this is like synergy. He's got some D&D shirts. He can make it happen. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so as always, uh, we're going to get to our guests and maybe even a lore you should know oh. episode. Uh, episode segment coming Love up it. right about Nizau. <laughs> <laughs> That's how all the, the cool hipsters like are saying it these days.
Welcome to Lore You Should Know. I have uh, two uh, very learned gentlemen in front of me. Matt Cernet, hello. Howdy. And Mr. Chris Perkins. It's learned, son. I learned. like to say learned. No, you're right. Just, <laughs> I was just quoting The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the any key? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we are here to talk about little bits of Forgotten Realms lore uh, that uh, you should know going into uh, Storm King Thunder, but uh, just knowing for your own knowing's sake because it's really super interesting stuff. Uh, so I like talking to these guys because they are the... knowing is half the battle. <laughs> and uh, the other half is rolling a 20. Yes. All the time. Uh, so first off, we're going to talk uh, about uh, a faction, one of the f- many of the five factions of the Forgotten Realms uh, uh, that we focus on, uh, the Emerald Enclave. So what uh, can you tell us about them? Matt. I'm looking at you, Matt. <laughs> All right. So the Emerald Enclave, if you go back in the lore, um, it, it has a, a lot of bits and bobs said about it uh, in various products over the, the years. But... Um, it's a pretty small organization. It's located on a couple of islands off the coast of Termish, and uh, they started out as another group of sort of druids dedicated to Sylvanas, and then they became the Emerald Enclave. There was a lot of for- sort of fighting with the various governments of Termish to establish themselves, and uh, sort of this enclave of wizards in Termish called like the Windlass or something like that. That. Uh, had battles with them over the the centuries, um, but they eventually became the Emerald Enclave. They eventually uh, claimed these islands as their own. They became a real power in the region uh, and of the Sea of Fallen Stars and, and that sort of the the Dragon Reach and that area. Uh, and then, with the transition into Fifth Edition. Um, we they discovered the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and they could you know, tweet they, they from moved, the Termish They islands. moved out of that smaller and, and small concern about um, just sort of protecting that own area and into a wider organization. Was that a uh, construct for us as game designers to be able to use, or was that something that they found new power? I think it's safe to say that was a construct. Um, we were When we were looking at bringing factions of importance into the spotlight, uh, the Emerald Enclave seemed to be a faction that felt different from the others um, and attracted a certain kind of player or a certain mm-hmm. kind of character to it that we found desirable. So we kind of took the, took the name, the basic foundation, and said, hey, these guys are more widespread than they've been before, and their mandate is a little bit more um, generalized so that characters can have an easier time figuring out a way to get into the organization and become part of it. Makes sense. So what is their mandate? What are, what are they trying to accomplish? Well, I think that the, the main thing uh, in the North is uh, protecting civilization and the sort of small bits of civilization that are there from the wider wilderness and, and so on, and then establishing a balance between those, those forces. Uh, I think with D&D, there's often a tendency, with Druids in particular, and, and uh, the neutral alignment they were often assigned in previous editions to establish them as for the balance in some really abstract way or just as tree huggers. And with this organization, we wanted to say no, particularly in the North where you know the, the threat isn't that people are going to cut down all the trees. The threat is that the trees are going to come into the town and kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Tree ants are real and yeah. will mess your, mess your so, towns up. So you know we wanted to kind of make that more their cause, and that would give players um, sort of more to, to, to grasp and to have that be more of a thing that would be an adventuring party type character, that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, above and beyond sort of them helping to protect the, these glimmers of civilization in a vast and untamed frontier, uh, they can serve as guides and help people to get from one place to the next because often it's a long-distance haul to get from, like, Luskin to Mirabar mm-hmm. or Mirabar to uh, Tribor or something like that. And it never hurts to have a good guide um, who can sort of... Uh, lead you away from some of the more dangerous areas. And then do the Emerald Enclave, uh, are more at home in the wilderness, in a way? Many of them are. Um, or if they base themselves in a town, it's because they're hoping to get a maybe a job as a guide or a protector or an advisor or some, something like that. Um, beyond that, too, they've also, because they are kind of attuned to the, the balance of the natural world, that they also regard in sort of a dim light 
what they would consider to be unnatural threats. So aberrations and undead and things that are unwholesome and not really part of the natural order mm -hmm. are also things that they would have no trouble getting on board fighting. Makes sense. So uh, what are the Emerald Enclave uh, doing in uh, the storyline as far as Storm King's Thunder goes? So Storm, the, the fundamental thing about Storm King's Thunder is that giants have kind of returned to the north in force and are engaged in all of these activities which either directly or indirectly pose a risk to civilization. Um, and because many of these giants are in, they're, they're going into out-of-the-way places or they're coming from out-of-the-way places, the Emerald Enclave uh, is really well-equipped to help deal with the threat, mm -hmm. uh, to help defend the, the bastions of civilization and also to, to lead forays into these untamed lands to fight the giants on their home turf. Um, they, they recognize the giants are not behaving in a way they have behaved in some time, and they're very eager to find out what has caused all this ruckus all of a sudden. See if they can't put it down before it becomes a calamitous threat to the north. Makes sense. And uh, uh, for those of you who are Dragon Plus subscribers, I believe there's a story uh, in which, uh, written by Bart Carroll, uh, in which... Um, the Emerald Enclave is trying to figure out what is happening with giant yep. attacks in the north. Right. And uh, one of the characters is uh, taken up with the Emerald Enclave to try to find out what happened to his hometown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've also, um, in Storm King's Thunder, kind of established, there are a couple places where you might, you're more likely than not to run into Emerald Enclave folks. Uh, one of the locations is a place called Golden Fields, which is uh, sort of nicknamed the breadbasket of the north. Mm -hmm. It is this fortified temple farming complex that's many, many, many square miles. It's vast, but it's sort of out in the middle of nowhere, yeah, north of Waterdeep. Yeah. Mm. It's fat, so, you know, we imagine that there are lots of little farms here and there uh, throughout the north, uh, along, mainly along the main trade routes and that kind of a thing. Uh, but, you know, in order to sustain someplace like Waterdeep, you need to have a really large farming community nearby. Not, I mean, obviously they ship in food from everywhere as well. But yeah. uh, and Golden Fields is that place, and so it is. It is this sort of really fascinating, giant monastic complex. Um, uh, it's it's even sort of raised above the ground. It's not just behind a wall. Uh, it's sort of like its own little plateau of oh, farming. It, it's enormous and strange. It's a lot yes. of fun. Perfect. And uh, there are Emerald Enclave representatives there sort of helping to tend it and um, look after it and ensure that the food makes it to where it needs to go. Interesting. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to jump into that. But then there's also a, another group um, that uh, figures into the idea behind Storm King Center, which is the Uthgard Barbarians. Yes, I love the Uthgard Barbarians. Why? Yes. What, so tell, us, tell us about them. Where do they come from? Uh, so... Uh, it's really fascinating because essentially they are in the timeline of the setting a relatively recent um, creation of a barbaric people, but they don't really understand their own origins. So in the timeline of the world, there was a person, um, uh, Uthgar uh, Gardelson or something like that, who was a... Um, uh, sort of a prince of what was then called Rotham, but is now Luskin. Mm. And that was sort of a semi-Netherese city. Basically, Netheril Falls. Netheril is this vast ancient empire of, of, of ma crazy magic uh, and human crazy magic. And they do really stupid things like try and become the god of magic and it <laughs> causes magic to fail and all these flying cities fall. And anyways, there's lots of things going on in Netheril. There are refugee states uh, from that fall and one of them is Rotham. And at one point, the, there's a human prince of that who's U Uthgar, and he goes out and decides to basically be a raider and a pirate, and he gathers followers, and he does crazy things like fight armies of giants and all these kinds of yeah, things. Giants hate him. And oh, okay. So uh, that's important. Yeah, that's gonna be. A, he means he's gonna might be an ally uh, uh, in this well, story. No, he's dead. Oh. Yeah, well, he's long dead. That's the Dang thing. It. So, so he's um, in the course of his adventures uh, encounters various sort of animal spirits or beast spirits and, and conquers them as well. Um, and he has like a, you know this. There's all kinds of weird legends about his brother and his who his father is and, and all these other things. And, uh, but all of that happened basically a thousand years ago, more or less. Oh, okay. 
And so his group of followers attracted some other followers, and once he died, they all split up into these separate groups that took as their totems the creatures that he had defeated. Mm -hmm. And those sort of grew up into their own separate religions and separate tribes of people. And because they stem from a society that was recovering from the fall of magic and the lack of magic, they're a magic-hating society. Mm. And because they were kind of forced to live off in the wilderness in this sort of like post-apocalyptic world where they didn't have their own cities and stuff like that, they, they, they sort of um, regressed. regressed into, you know, Stone Age technologies. And, oh. and they do at this point use metals and, and, and salvage metals from people they kill and stuff like that. But like, so, so they became essentially this uh, barbaric society following these totems um, that are all related and all have a sort of this, uh, this same similar story of where they came from, of the, this hero god, Uthgar, uh, but they don't really understand all of why that happened. Whereas, you know, you have things in the world like elves who can live for hundreds of years and they, they do have libraries and books, and they record <laughs> things, and they write things down. Yeah. These guys didn't write squat. Yeah, so, so it's all been nothing. passed down yeah, through it, oral right. tradition. It's all oral tradition. It's all word of mouth. And now they're set in their ways. And they, I mean, they when they encounter a wizard, they they literally dismember that person. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's it's fascinating. Like this weird. And they live uh, all this, over the north. They're all over the north. Yeah, their tribes roam. They're they're migratory, oh, and I they're see. mostly raiders that will attack. You know, farmers or people on the road or that they're kind of. Generally, thing. not bold enough to threaten a city. Uh, but yeah, if you're out in the wilderness and you run into these guys, the best thing you can do is hide or run away. Even if you're not a magic user? Yeah. Yeah, they, <laughs> they do not react well to anybody who isn't of their tribe. Interesting. So then how do they figure into uh, Storm King's Thunder? Well, that's an interesting question. They're, so they don't have anything to do with really what the giants are up to, but they are an ever, they're, they're present in the setting. Mm -hmm. you, in dealing with the giants, it's very hard not to cross paths with the Uthgard. So they are a threat. Um, now, the Uthgart have these places that are important to them, and they're scattered throughout the north. They're called ancestor mounds. Mm -hmm. They're basically like giant memorial burial mounds, and they're, they're very distinctive. Uh, they tie very closely into their myths and their religions, and their ancient dead are buried there. And uh, sort of helping to empower and protect these mounds are giant artifacts that giants that were taken from the giants by Uthgar and his followers. Mm -hmm. um, and they're buried there. Uh, as part of the story of Storm King's Thunder, the characters might need to go to one or more of these ancient sites and dig those giant relics up. Mm. And you can only imagine how the Uthgard might feel about that. Not very um, happy. Not happy at all. Yeah. So there's that risk of crossing, not only crossing paths with them, but literally taking stuff from the Uthgard that they consider um, sacred. Cool. Uh, and on top of that, the Uthgard just provides so much color um, for the setting, uh, the different tribes and their different motifs and uh, stuff like that, um, that uh, uh, you'll, in the course of the adventure, there'll be like random encounters with them, or you can actually go to some of these ancestor mounds, or uh, you can, you know, possibly even talk to or encounter some of their more powerful members. I see. God, gods help you. Um, <laughs> now, of course, I mean, as Barbarian is a, a very yeah. popular player class, yes. would you ever suggest a player uh, or a DM try to incorporate an Uthgard Barbarian into the party? So we do say in the story, uh, in the Storm King's Thunder, the TRPG, that you can build a character using any of the options in Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, which includes the option for playing an Uthgart tribe member. Got it. So that is a possibility. Yeah. And, it, and I would imagine that that person, uh, you know, it, that person could be an outcast, mm -hmm. you know? They could be someone who's working with uh, these outsiders uh, to 
achieve a goal and then they're you know they're going to be out right you know we'll, mm -hmm. we'll do we'll go this far we'll send this person with you our, our favored warrior or maybe they're not so favored but <laughs> <laughs> you're going yeah get, get them out of here yeah. but you know it, it, i think that's that's an interesting role-playing opportunity yeah someone and, who yeah. who you know is that like i don't think obviously that you should encourage one party member to dismember another one but you know, <laughs> there could be a lot of friction there and a lot of interesting but stuff the possibility happen. of that is an interesting role-playing <laughs> tension maker and the other thing too is the youth guard have a history of uh, despising the giants and fighting the giants exactly and so there's a the giants pose a common threat. Yeah. So it's possible that the nature of the giant threat sort of forces a lone Uthgard to think, well, maybe it's uh, worth it. It's worth it. Interesting. Right. All right, cool. Well, I can't wait to delve into these options when Storm King Center comes up, but thank you guys for uh, talking to me about it. You're welcome. I, once again, uh, love learning about all of the lore from Chris and Matt, our resident lore masters and dungeon masters and dragon masters. Is that a word? I just made it up. It's a new do term. It? Yeah. Can you imagine just having all that in your head all the time? Yeah, I do. All the time. Just, That's me. I have it. Well, now you do because yeah. you listen to lore you should know. It's Exactly, right? It's, it's infecting we into my brain. Do. Yeah. And then all of our listeners now can spew that out into their games uh, because they've been getting the lore insertions. Because it's like, yeah, the lore <laughs> insertions. <Yes. laughs> We're changing the name of the segment to lore insertions. Lore insert. It's time for your lore insertion. <laughs> I know Please. kung fu. Or like... <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. All right. So let's uh, move from that into our interview. It'll be amazing. Call him up on the phone. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hi. All uh, right. Okay. So uh, we are now here with uh, Elise and Dan from Funhouse. Hi, guys. Hi. What's up? How is it going? Good, good. Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, you guys are uh, starting up a new Dungeons and Dragons live play show, right? Yes, we are. Uh, it's called Twists and Crits, and it's Funhouse's foray into D and D. Now, were you just watching all of the the the, the you know uh, critical roles and the heroes and halfwits, and be like, we can do that too? Um, yeah, our our path to D and D kind of had like a long winding. Uh, so we, if you want, we could get into the meat and potatoes of it first off. First uh, thing. Yeah, well, yeah. Why, why you mentioned it, why don't we jump into, uh, well, yeah, what, what is it going to make your show, uh, uh, yeah, how, how, did you, how did you start that? How did you begin that? Um, so the, the road to Funhouse D&D began last year when the team that predated Dan and I did a test D&D playthrough with a 360 camera. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really, I don't know if you guys have seen any 360 videos on YouTube, but it's really cool because uh, it's essentially just like a one focal focal camera that you can then manipulate as a viewer. You you literally grab and like turn the camera in your YouTube window. So you can kind of control who you're looking at oh, yeah. around with the mouse. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet, but kind of tough to deal with, I guess. Yeah, yeah. from a, a viewer perspective, it, if you're lazy and you just want to like pop on a YouTube video, you don't necessarily want to be manipulating your own camera angles. For an hour and a half. The whole time, yeah. Um, so they they experimented experimented with that though, and I think they started with the Lost Mine of Fandelver, yeah, right the, from the, the starter set, yeah, 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 the fifth edition starter, and um, had like great feedback from the fan community uh, based on that, but didn't really have I guess the resources or infrastructure at the time to to start D and D, um, and so like fast forward you know, a couple months ago when the idea kind of came up again. And uh, I had previously come from game trailers where we did a show called Tabletop Adventures, mm -hmm. uh, which was, we did maybe 30 episodes worth of of, uh, of D&D. &D. And so like I, I, coming on board, I, I was talking with the guys and, and we were interested in it. And then Dan came on and he had some interest in it too. Uh, so in Rooster Teeth in general, just thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool to kind of get into into that realm, there's obviously like a, a lot of interest there just from the employees. Hmm. Um, so we have a, a uh, one of our other properties, Achievement Hunter, they started D&D too. And we, our stories are eventually going to like collide, hopefully in an interesting, fun way. Um, but that's, that's sort of the goal is that we have these two shows that are running concurrent and then we'll eventually meet. Oh, cool. I didn't realize that, that you guys were going to try and be like in the shared universe there. Yeah, yeah, big crossover explosions happen later on. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I can't wait to get to that. 
so yeah, I, we have a, a bit of a connection, uh, at least then, because I worked uh, with Brandon Jones at Game, Game Trailers oh. for a little bit. Uh, so I was at I, The Escapist, and he was at Game Trailers. I could have sworn because I, I saw Greg, Greg Tito, and I thought, I, I feel like I know that name. And, and I was like, I feel like you were at Escapist. Um, but we never actually met. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think we ever met face to face. But I only met Brandon, I think, a few times uh, before both of us parted ways uh, from from Defy Media. So yeah, no, that's that's crazy. Uh, and I loved watching um, uh, the tabletop show there. So it's cool that you can bring your your expertise to uh, to twits and crits. Thanks. Yeah, and, and I, were you part of the the tabletop stuff at Escapist? Like any of the D and D there? Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, we did Lost Minds of Fandelver too, uh, back you know what two or three years ago. And then it uh, morphed into a Torn- Tyranny of Dragons campaign as well. Cool, yeah. Ours, ours sort of like went off the rails, but it wasn't really into Tyranny. I don't. I'm actually not even sure where it went. <laughs> to, like, be quite That's honest a good time. Like any good DM, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. Uh, 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 oh, I'm forgetting the name of the DM for for that show. It was Ben? Oh, right? Ben Moore was yes. our, our tabletop adventures. Yes, yeah. he was. Uh, he was good enough to kind of just take whatever threads were going on, <laughs> on the plot yeah, and just go we, with it. We threw a lot at Ben. <laughs> You're pretty terrible to Ben. I don't think there was any episode that really followed the trajectory he hoped it would. Um, ben, but it, I was, think, it was uh, fun. See, that, that'll probably be a common theme for our show: is DM abuse. If, if we can do it, Dan, <laughs> we, we will try. Nice. So, Dan, are you, are you going to uh, uh, DM for Twits and Crits? I am. I am. Uh, pretty new to the game. but um, Wow. Take it on the DM roll. Good. Oh, yeah. I'm stoked. Uh, it's been a deep dive the past couple of months trying to trying to get caught up with the huge universe of, of D&D and, you know, master the the books enough to be able to lead these guys through an adventure. Nice. So what? Uh, so how new are you? Did you? Is it literally oh, just the last few months? Extremely new. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Very, very new. Do you have any background in in, in tabletop role playing at all? Uh, no, not tabletop role playing. I, I love games, love tabletop games and storytelling in general. Mm-hmm. But uh, the D and D rule set is quite new to me. So I'm doing my best to kind of lead these guys. Um, Elise, of course knows the most here and I lean on her constantly for the show. But even then I I still feel like it's it's such a deep game that no matter how much you've played of it you still feel like a novice. Um, sure, I, that's always true, yeah. Uh, we were we were really excited to to do this podcast partially because just of the of we were we were like maybe we can sneak some sneak in some questions to you guys <laughs> while we're on this. Yeah, totally. So yeah, we'll we'll save you questions to the end. We know some people. We can probably get some answers. I know you're talking to me and Shelly, who are like the definitely the experts (laughs) on every single rule. Deep knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Total rules. Real deep. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what's what's kind of cool about these shows uh, uh, has has shown that that you don't need that encyclopedic knowledge uh, in order to enjoy the game. I think a lot of uh, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but like you know, a lot of people like to get hung up on. uh, you know, this rule or that rule or that interpretation of that rule. But I, I, I'm pretty sure if you're going to work on uh, performing this for an audience uh, on in the video, that it's going to be all about the, the, the in the moment and, and not necessarily what, you know, researching what the exact rule is. Exactly. Like the, the goal is to have fun and be funny for people, mm-hmm. right? So no one wants to see you flip through a book for 20 minutes <laughs> to get the exact Hold rule on, right. Please. So. So, uh, you know, I think in one of the first paragraphs in the, uh, the handbook, it tells you to throw the rule book out the window yeah. fun. It's a really so good I'm marketing kind of, <laughs> marketing line there. You don't need this book, but buy this book. <laughs> no, it's, 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 you know, it's a, great, it's a great backbone, you know, a great uh, kind of foundation to help create a universe with these guys. So that's what I'm going to use it as, um, kind of the building blocks or, or, or whatever, the guiding light. At cool. Game Trailers, we had Christopher Perkins DM like a standalone show for us, mm-hmm. oh, and there was an amazing moment where there was a a rule that came into question, and his response was, "Well, I'm going to break it because I wrote it," <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought that was like a pretty amazing badass. Like, yeah, like that's he he did actually write the rule, <laughs> and he is going to break it. Yeah. Um, and that's and in that philosophy, I believe, is like just kind of handed down, especially with fifth edition. In that, you know, yeah. there's you know, there's no hard and fast rules. It's only what's at the table that makes the most sense. So, uh, Elise, before you played uh, in in game trailers, how did you get your start with with Dungeons and Dragons? That that was my start. Okay. I I'm a big board game fan um, as well, and play a lot of tabletop games all the time. And I like 
a lot of, especially role-play games like Fiasco, I really, really enjoy. But I had never played a game like of that sort of, uh, like the serial nature of D&D, uh, especially in a, in a fantasy genre like that. So basically when, when the opportunity was available to be on a show like that, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the role play aspect, but not as much of the technical, like following the rules. Dan knows I, I'm, I'm never concerned about the rules, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, Elise is really in this game just to do funny voices all day. Much. Um, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, I, I offered Dan my assistance for any NPCs he might like. <laughs> he informed me that's not how the game is played. <laughs> um, but uh, You're like, we need yeah, a... So, uh, so yeah. for me, it was it was like a somewhat of a learning curve, just never having played a, a game like that. But I I have played I don't remember the name of it, but there is like the D and D board game, or there's, there are several Dungeon? of them, but that kind of are a like a micro the, version of D and D. Yeah, like the Castle Ravenloft and uh, Legend of Drist, those games. Yeah, those types of games, and uh, so so stuff like that. I'm like, okay, well, there's there's sort of an entry point for me, you know, having played games that are. A little mm-hmm. more complicated, but yeah, uh, it. I definitely, definitely love the role play aspect of it. Do you guys? Uh, are, is someone using a mechanical keyboard by any chance? <laughs> oh, we're, oh, we're in an office full of typists. Oh, okay. Now I just I get that clackety clack of the mechanical. I'm like, oh, that sounds like my keyboard. Tran- transcribing the room of typewriters and monkeys. Yeah, <laughs> it gets real loud. Cigar, all the cigar time. smoke we can see. <laughs> Look, that one's on. got Hamlet. That one monkey right there. I heard it. It was to be or not to be. <laughs> well, good job, monkey. Uh, take a break now, monkey. <laughs> We have in five minutes. So I think I mentioned uh, uh, or saw mentioned on your uh, uh, Wikipedia or not Wikipedia page. It's actually the Rooster Teeth wiki wiki page. Uh, at least that you're a, a Muppet enthusiast. Oh, <laughs> oh I saw that on your Twitter too. <laughs> I, I am a pretty big Muppet enthusiast. Nice. So whenever uh, Dan has a character that's like the Swedish uh, chef or something like that, he's going to be able to throw it to you. Read a read mind killing the dwarves. Come on, you can't pass that up. I, I'm happy to voice anything, really. Nice. Um, right now, my character, he's uh, his name is Grimo Rudefellow in our current campaign. Rude and fellow. he's a, a, a rogue halfling. He comes from the gyre, um, which is a, a small, small uh, settlement. Um, kind of like the Shire, but not? No, nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, nothing like that. Nothing oh, else, okay. Nothing like that. Uh, but he's he has kind of a rough upbringing. He was a, uh, raised by a single mother, so he's he's a little coarse in his exterior, but he's kind of got a heart of gold. And I I feel like we'll see that as the series progresses. He's a terrible chain smoker. Too. Oh, nice. I think he's like a greaser from the fifties, isn't he? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, he's like a rebel without a clue. Or yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with a heart of gold. With a heart of gold. Okay, what is, what's his voice? You, you must have a voice for him. Oh yeah. Uh, he, he talks like this, and he calls everybody a big, a goofy, a buffook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got him. Uh, oh, nailed she's it. She's got her, head, her, just her heads in her palm right now. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Is this still you're workshopping the voice for, still? Yeah, I'm, I'm workshopping it for ten episodes. The length of our series. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> nice. No, that's good. So, uh, you know, Shelly has a, has a pretty good voice uh, of... Uh, <laughs> uh, don't tell her who it is. I'm no, just going to do it and then see if you can guess who it is. <clears throat> okay, wait. Mm, me, 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 me. Okay. Ernie, my pigeons! <laughs> <laughs> you killed her. Is that Bert? <laughs> yes! That- was it the Ernie that gave it a <laughs> no. no, you have to kind of telegraph it a little bit. <laughs> what? That it was, the, yeah, right, Ernie oh. and Bert. That was actually probably your best performance. Do of, you think so? Of, yeah. I, I'm going to put that down as your A-plus Oscar I think Oscar I'm inspired worthy. by you, Elise. Do you legitimately do that voice in your campaign? No, I just do oh. it on this podcast, actually. Yeah. And once in front of Matt Mercer, and he was not impressed. He really oh, no. was not impressed. He was like, oh. And then he, like, he pulled like, out, oh, like, Kermit, which in, like, oh. flawless Kermit after that. And he's like, take that. And you're That's like, oh. so rude. Yeah. Does he know? <laughs> That's not cool. Those professional voice actors. God. <laughs> No sense of humor. I know. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, no. You pulled that out like uh, what, a year ago, and Burr? for some reason it's been a running joke on our on our podcast. A here. joke? Wait. What? I mean, it's been it's running <laughs> amazing performance. <laughs> anyway. Nice. So, so tell us about the rest of the party. Who yeah. else are we playing with here? Oh man, oh. It, it is a veritable cast of characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a reason it's called Twits and Crits. 
it was the only name we could get approved. But it also <laughs> has lots of quits. Uh, Dan, Dan, you want to start start us off? Um, well, I think my favorite character so far is Shattercock. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Green is playing a female uh, tiefling sorcerer and does a Mickey Mouse voice pretty much the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, no. oh wow! Um, and he's he's kept it up for what, four episodes now. He, he'll do, he'll go the full the full distance. I I truly think Bruce is committed to that now. <laughs> <laughs> is that one there of the monkeys? Is. She is. Excuse me. Um, and uh, she's very voluptuous. I and, saw her uh, picture on your uh, what the web page. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then also James uh, is doing. He's he's a. I think he's a. Barbarian, barbarian, he, human barbarian, but he's he's like half dog. Well, there, I think there was a secret magical incident in his past that gave him dog-like features. I don't think many people know about his past history yet. That's supposed to come out in the future, but his name's Dirk. But he's got a tail and big ears and a lot of really furry face. Okay. Um, so Adam actually plays my my second favorite character. None uh, of these is sounding like Grimo. <laughs> <laughs> That's like fourth or fifth favorite, I guess. Yeah. No. Uh, she's pretty far down the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Adam is, is Raxan. Raxan. <laughs> which is NASCAR backwards. That's important. But, uh, he, he's like a, just a regular fighter to start out with, uh, but he's got some, some maybe daddy issues and a uh, penchant for violence towards corpses. So, uh, I don't know, he's had a lot of fun with dead things once they're dead and, yeah. and stacking Ooh. them on top of his helmet. Yeah, he's got a helm covered in, in wolf uh, heads. But uh, Matt Peake is uh, our paladin dwarf, uh, Myriadis O'Probles, Myriad of Problems. Oh, um, <laughs> love it. And uh, he's, he's our uh, de facto leader. Uh, he's very stoic. Um, and then we've also got uh, best, maybe best for last. Oh, yeah. oh uh, man. Lawrence is uh, Decker Rootkit, um, and he might have been thinking we were playing Shadowrun or yeah. something else. <laughs> that sounds like a, a Blade Runner-esque name if I ever uh, heard one. He heralds from the, the Fargon era of 1992. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> and, uh, Carries around a laptop. Yeah. Um, whether or not it does anything, we're yeah. not sure yet. Whether it has a battery in it, we don't know, but he's always on it. <laughs> Typing to himself, probably. And nobody seems to understand where this weird, unusual-looking man came from. And he's, he's uh, not, he doesn't care to explain. <laughs> uh, but hopefully that, that'll go somewhere and we'll, we'll see a colliding of time and era. I, know th- I guess that's one of those things as a DM, you don't really want to say no, even though you really, really want to say no. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm kind of letting him roll with it for a while. And I guess we'll kind of resolve things as they problems they might as they come up well then this is resolve things. makes it rife for uh, uh uh spin-offs too i mean all of a sudden you can start playing like uh, uh shadow run as you mentioned or you know go into space uh Ooh, with a uh, gamma okay. world hang on, hang on. or oh, i need to write this world. down slow down kind of sounds like a gamma world campaign it really does actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds awesome actually yeah i want to go to space too <laughs> you could totally go to space start like a traveler campaign <laughs> Too many ideas. Um, yeah, do it up. All right, awesome. So, what class is the uh, the the laptop holding character? Oh, he, he's a wizard. Oh, okay. He's a wizard. <laughs> he's a hacker and a wizard. Of course he is. <laughs> yeah, technically a hacker. Yeah. <laughs> he's a little net runners too. He's a, a proficient in yeah. hacking. Yeah. It doesn't apply to the game at all. No. <laughs> Just something he does on the side when he's not <laughs> adventuring. If you knew Lawrence, you would know that this is him living out all his fantasies in this, this game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it truly is. Like he, he likes to take a seat during combat and just kind of walk back and sit on a rock somewhere. And hack. <laughs> so uh, when you guys are making uh, uh, this, do you, uh, do you stream it in addition to the YouTube videos? So we don't stream it. That, that was something that we, we discussed about streaming. Um, our full playthroughs are available for sponsors on the roosterteeth.com website. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, we, and we do do like uh, cutdowns of our gameplays on YouTube as well that post the same time as the full playthrough. Um, our YouTube audience is a little bit more used to and, and generally seems to like shorter videos. So it seemed like a, an okay relationship to work it out and post the two pieces of content that way. 
Um, so we, we don't stream, but I, I do know that a lot of shows really, really embrace streaming and they really like that immediate feedback. Like I think Critical Role is live, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah they do it live uh, and then they, they post it later as well. Uh, similar to what, how you guys are doing, like, you know, posting the full thing and then you do, you cut it up. But what I guess I was trying to figure out was how much, how much do you edit? Do you, is it just cut up for, for, you know, smaller, more bite-sized type things? Or is it, do you actually kind of focus the gameplay a little bit? Well, I, I think for, you know, the, the version that goes up on the Rooster Teeth site for the first members is pretty uncut. I think we might just kill a little bit of dead time or, like I think during the second episode, I sliced my finger open. I, I think we, we we decided to cut that part. Oh, out. why? Oh, like, um, that's like pure comedy <laughs> gold. Come on. I mean, Fifteen I'm, minutes of me running around. I'm thinking of like everywhere. Dan Aykroyd as a uh, uh, you know the chef who cuts off her <laughs> finger. Like you guys have squirting blood. That's pure comedy. But uh, I guess for the YouTube cut down to get an hour and a half down to twenty some minutes, there's uh, some liberal chopping done. I think maybe even more for the jokes. Less so than the plot on the YouTube version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gen- generally um, we're also like generally across the board novices too. So when we when we do do the YouTube cut down, we're since we're still kind of getting into it. I'm seeing a lot of like, oh, we're sort of figuring things out here, and maybe more experienced viewers would find that a little little bit of a lull. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of people watching the show that are watching the full playthrough that have never played D and D and know nothing about it. So they almost feel like they're learning with us to an extent too. Um, which is kind of kind of nice and, and a fun experience. Uh, th- I find that D and D is like one of the best communities. Oh my online. god! Yeah, yeah. Um, especially, yeah, yeah like it, it, it. Just usually, if you do get feedback, it's generally always constructive. Generally, in, in a way, generally, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it, not just online too. Uh, in real life, doing my research for this, I went to a handful of games around Los Angeles, and just everywhere I went, the people playing were so nice and so generous for someone that knew so little kind of coming in the middle of their game and happy and welcoming and almost forcing me to sit down and play with them and so just watching <laughs> yeah just the, the the community in general is amazing uh, it, in gaming people. there are lots of like online games that you don't even dare go play because the second you go into that like pre-existing community and you are you are new they are going to eat you alive so you're, um, tra- you're talking about like like dota or, or, yeah, like, or league of legends or something like that yeah, a video game like an online MOBA or something like that. They you you will just get told to uninstall <laughs> immediately. <laughs> but but yeah, like D and D is always one of those welcoming communities that feels like uh, the the you know there it's not really a criticism as much as it is encouragement when when somebody says well you could do it this way or or did you consider that this is a rule that you might want to try to use? It's it's never like you're doing it wrong, idiots. <laughs> Um, <laughs> You're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. You're not having fun the way I want you to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and I think part of that has to do with it being a cooperative game. I mean, you're you're all working together yeah. to, you know, including the D, the DM to have fun together. Uh, so it, it's all about problem solving. It's about, uh, you know, it reminds me of like Forbidden Island or uh, Forbidden Desert, those games that are oh, yeah, are, yeah, yeah. are cooperative <laughs> to playing together. And everybody's like, oh yeah, what if you try that? What if you try that? You know, and sometimes that can get, uh, uh, there can be a lot of advice thrown around the table, but in general, everybody just wants to have fun and succeed. So I think that lends, that lends itself to a helpful community. Yeah, well, you may not have seen too much of us playing because at points it is not a cooperative uh, <laughs> uh, uh, effort. But yeah, is there I, a I, lot of infighting between you guys? Uh, well, there's a lot of uh, the hacker character, uh, <laughs> so, you know, wanting to have nothing to do with his teammates and everyone else getting a little frustrated with that. But you know, that adds to the drama, I guess. Yeah, but he's a man out of time, so we can't expect too much from him. Yeah, he is playing his character. <laughs> he is. Uh, but but I, right. I generally, as a rule, love what... cooperative games more than competitive. Oh, yeah. Like stuff like Pandemic and, and like you mentioned, yeah. in Desert and all that. We're playing Pandemic Legacy in the office right now. and so we, We've got a copy. We haven't started we've it We've got yet. it. Oh, season man. one. Which we're curious what they're going to do for like a season. Like they're just going to keep doing seasons of it. We'll I, I, I think so. we got to get Rob Davio on our uh, oh, podcast, right? Because he recently uh, uh, helped uh, create a haunt for she- uh, Shelly works on uh, Avalon Hill games uh, here in the cool. D&D oh. office. And uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Yeah, our expansion. Oh. Has got that a- just had an expansion, right? It's coming or- out in October. Awesome. That game's great too. I I just got a copy of Time Stories. Um, Ooh, what's that? 
it's it's I think it's a cooperative. I haven't played it yet, and the rules seem kind of complex. But I think it's like you go back in time to try to solve a mystery, but it has replay value because every time you go back, you only learn a little bit of information that will help you solve that mystery. So you kind of have to groundhog day it and keep going back and learning more and more, and then applying what you learn to your next playthrough to oh, progress cool. further. Oh my gosh, that sounds like. Like a dream game, like that. Like, oh, how did someone? Are, are yeah, lighting up. how did someone <laughs> yeah. write the rules for that game? That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. Very cool. So you've already kind of explained a little bit about how uh, this this party is very different than other parties. But what what, what did you guys know that going in? Did you know that this was going to be, uh, uh, you know, how how Twits and Crits was going to be unique in this in this sphere? Oh. I guess I always kind of assumed uh, the crazy personalities at Funhouse would make it different than most other <laughs> shows out there. Um, I think our guys are pretty extreme, and, and people watch us for our weird personality. So I, I have constant faith that we will we will go different places and do things no one else has tried. Um, I sort of thought it was it was really cool that Dan was coming in. Like so pretty pretty fresh, because mm-hmm. um, he's like no in, in way jaded by like past sessions or like campaigns that he's done, and he kind of just has like a fresh perspective on it and enthusiasm for it, and he like is really really trying to make it as like fun and fresh and interesting for us as he can, despite the fact that we like shit on everything. <laughs> we're, we're terrible human beings. Um, oh yeah, first lesson I already learned is I'm too nice to these people. Yeah. These yeah. people. <laughs> these, you people. <laughs> these people. The others. Yeah. The, <laughs> the unclean. Nice. So tell us a little bit about uh, about your your world, uh, uh, Jan. How, 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 what, what is, we've heard about the characters. What is the crazy world that they inhabit? Or is it a sane world that they're just the crazies in it? <laughs> well, it's starting out pretty sane. Um, the world is actually Rala, or called Jeeb by the people that live here. Mm. And it was actually... I am learning all of this <laughs> for the first time. Yeah, no, no one really knows this. Um, <laughs> oh. so it, you guys have asked spoilers. no questions. <laughs> Exactly. Where are we? Like, yeah. That's a good question to ask. <laughs> uh, no, our, so our, our sister channel, the ones that are doing Heroes and Halfwits, so their world was created, so I'm kind of jumping into a world that Frank has created. He's right. the DM on that show. That makes sense. So I got a little dossier from him just about the the general, I don't know, continent layout, and you know, there, there's a, an eclipse once a month that creates what they call a dark day. Um, so I'm kind of jumping into his world. I haven't created it on my own, but mm-hmm. I'm off on a on a continent on the other side of the Earth. Um, just kind of starting out small, like they uh, recommend in the book. We've got a couple little cities and a tiny little adventure. Because we, I guess we had ten episodes is is greenlit to start out with. So I didn't want to start creating kingdom after kingdom and and great wars and empires. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we started out small on just a little uh, a little mission to hunt down some orcs. Nice. Yeah, the, moon, the Moondog Brothers, two uh, untoward near duel orcs that, well, I guess we'll find out once we meet them what they're all really about. Yeah, yeah so, so there's a prison break, and these guys got out of prison, and our team's supposed to hunt them down. Nice. nice. So you've already combined, like, you know, two or three awesome fantasy tropes uh, uh, together. Uh, I like that. And I, I, I can't wait to find out how you work with Frank on a shared universe. I tried to do that once in a group. Uh, in the office, actually, I asked me, like, oh, hey, who wants to start a game? We didn't record it or, or put it on video or anything, but I had enough people to start two parties at once. Uh, so I, instead of creating two separate worlds, I just put them in the same area and let the events that one group did, like, be aware of the, like, the other group. You were running both I was games. running both games. Wow. Yeah, and that was really hard just to juggle my own brain, uh, the details yeah. of, of both of them. Uh, so I'm really... Uh, excited to hear about how you and Frank kind of handle those details going back and forth. Yeah, me too. <laughs> did your two groups ever meet? They never met. Uh, one one eventually fizzled because uh, a few people uh, uh, just dropped out and then it ended up changing. But the interesting, the most interesting thing was the group that I that stayed playing for about a year or so uh, happened upon a town uh, that was being occupied by goblins. And I told them eventually that they're like, oh, yeah, that was the other group. They were supposed to save the town from this group of rampaging goblins. <laughs> and they decided to go north to this, you know, where treasure was at this cave. And they left the town to be destroyed. Aww. And so I was like, all right, well, when the other group got to that town, I'm like, yeah, this is it's it's gone. Most people are dead. Uh, and they're all. You know, and the treasure's gone. Too. And the treasure's gone, too. <laughs> right. Exactly. Don't go north. 
And uh, what I didn't, I didn't like divulge that until a little bit later. And they're like, why is this town? Like, this sounds like so awful. This like harrowing experience that's going on. They're like, oh yeah, well blame them. <laughs> blame your, blame your coworkers for screwing them. <laughs> that's pretty cool though. Yeah. How like one, the actions of one party yeah. can impact the other. Yeah. Across the games. That's really neat. Yeah. I wanted to explore more of it. So it's cool that you guys are, are, are getting to, to do more of that too. Yeah, I, I'm actually really looking forward to the the moments when we can actually get everyone together for some climactic battle, or whether we're against each other or fighting together against some some bigger evil. I think yeah. it'll be pretty great. We're yeah. sort of limited by like sheer logistics and and space because the other team is in Austin, Texas. Right. So it's just generally going to come down to like. I don't know how you guys will end up handling it, Dan, but it might be like a couple people from our party intermingle with theirs or vice versa. It'd be cool if, you know, all 12 of us or, or could <laughs> some find a way. Yeah. <laughs> you do it at the uh, next RTX. Yeah. Oh, that would that'd be awesome. That sounds yeah, that all right. Cool. Darn it. I'm spoiling <laughs> all your plans. Um, but that sounds a, a great, uh, uh, you know, confluence of where everyone's going to be in the same area. Yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. Or we'll just have a, a real-life, like, sword fight. Oh, that's even better. Death. Oh, yeah. At least, that's right, kill some of them, and then you'll just, you know, create some kind of super group. Yeah. <laughs> super group. Yeah. I think the hacker needs to be the first one to go, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Back to the 90s with you. <laughs> nice. Uh, so uh, I know you can't spoil too much, but what's uh, what's coming up after these uh, after this orc uh, excursion? Is there is there going to be anything? Well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we're actually sitting in a room with all the players, so I don't want to <laughs> spoil too much. But you know, I, I guess the idea is uh, I'm, I have a big climactic event at the end of uh, you know episode nine or ten, and hopefully teases enough to the bigger universe of where they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be a, a magic bard involved or four. Ooh. Um, I like magic bards. So. I also, I think you should put all four of them. They should be John, Paul, George, and Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> Just to make it different. Oh, get out of my head, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tito's inspired so when you, today. When you say episodes, do you, is it, are you talking about the 20-minute the episodes or the hour-and-a-half-long episodes? How, how long do you guys uh, you know, have a session for? So generally when we play, we sit down for about three hours and, and play at a time and then split that into two, you know, sub 90 minute episodes. Um, just because we, we, it's, it's tough to sort of like resolve something that's, that's pushes the narrative forward at, at all in like less than an hour, or at right. least generally that's what we find. Oh yeah, it's really tough. <laughs> the pay, Getting used to their pace and the pacing of an hour and a half long, you know, a, you want to have a story bit in that hour and a half is, is pretty tough. Because this, these guys are slow. Yeah, and my favorite thing is just like general character interaction. Um, so like, you know, we want to have time to be battling stuff. Then we also want to have time to just let our characters sort of like talk and snap at one another and learn about each other and build friendships and uh, you maybe know that, more. that sort of thing. Maybe more. Maybe some romance in there. Ooh. Ooh. Um, Shelly's very interested all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, wait you a second, me. there's romance? Now I'm, my interest is peaked. Yeah, there will be roses given. Rose? <laughs> Burton is pigeon. Uh, my pigeons. <laughs> Do you accept my rose? <laughs> I love you, pigeons. Yeah. We're hitting all of uh, uh, the highlights with Bachelor and uh, and the pigeons. That's right. Yeah. So you guys uh, had some questions you wanted to ask us, I believe. You alluded to early on. Yeah. Do you have any mechanical questions? The rules questions. Yeah, we'll I'm be ready. able to help I'm ready you. For them. I think we just have too many questions. Well, what do we even ask? Um, oh boy, <sighs> putting you on I the spot. Guess, is there something that you guys find is like your priority as a, as a DM? You, you is your priority in w- the way you conduct your campaign, or something that you think is like tantamount to to the one rule that you would never break as a DM? Ooh. Uh, That's a good question. That is a good question. Uh, I'd say the one rule I wouldn't break as a DM would be uh, to make a decision that made it less fun for my players. You know, uh, I think a lot of, I mean, similar to what what, uh, uh, Chris Perkins just said on the uh, tabletop on the game trailers was that, you know, the rules are there as guidelines for fun. And if the decision is, hey, this is going to be a really fun, interesting thing, or it's broken, uh, 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 I'm always going to go for the the fun and interesting thing, um, and I think if you asked me that question 20 years ago, I probably would have given you a different answer. Uh, but I think over time, I've learned that like 
you know, like good comedy improv, you kind of just need to go, yeah, and let's figure out how to make that work. Yeah. yeah. Roll, roll some dice, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah, right. And then if, if uh, uh, you know, it ends up not working, you can just be like, sorry, that's what the dice. Yeah, yeah. always blame the dice. Yeah, can't <laughs> help, sorry. can't help fate. Nope. Well, I've, I've got one for you. So since Lawrence isn't here and he's he's the one that's playing the hacker character, um, how, how do you rein in characters that are getting too metagame with their thinking? Ah, that's a hard one, too. Uh, but what I've always... This has happened to me around the table a few times uh, as a player in addition to, to DM. Um, and the thing that I have found works the best is to make sure that all of their, their interactions with other players uh, are in character. Okay. So when someone says like, "Oh, I I don't want to do that. I want to you know like they're, they're, like get into like arguments between you know players, or if someone is trying to control the action too much, just say it all in character. So if instead of the you know Lawrence saying he wants to do that, say like you know what's the name of his hacker character again? Decker. Decker. Oh yeah. So so you know <laughs> Decker says X Y Z, and he's trying to convince the the other party characters to to do whatever he wants to do, or or you know if he's doing something that is. Uh, uh, you know, nefarious or whatever. Make sure that it's all happening within the game character, so that so that the other people at the table have the chance to respond in character as well. Okay. Yeah, it's weird because it's like the lines between Lawrence and Decker are blurring. <laughs> yeah, he created a character that is himself to play in this game. <laughs> right, right. And I've I've I play with 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 people like that too. And uh, this usually works. So try it. So, okay. you, you know, see if, see if you just be like, hey, forget about Lawrence right now, and just be like, just be Decker and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and and then if there's any conflicts that arise, it's a character. It's conflicts between characters, not conflicts yeah. between players. Uh, and that, and that usually can resolve itself much easier because you're like, oh, there's rules and mechanics for that, <laughs> rather than, you know, people stealing spotlight, which is. We may have to tell him to stop being Decker and and be Lawrence. You <laughs> <laughs> might go the other way. <laughs> Um, this is a weird question, but say that you had two characters that wanted to do like a really cool team up attack move. Yeah. Um, is there any way that you would that you would handle that? Because obviously, people uh, players attack in order of their uh, you know initiative and and attack order. But if say like a smaller character and a big character wanted to do like a cool um, like running jump and then archery attack combo or something, is do you have a strategy for that kind of stuff, or do you just sort of quash that kind of stuff. No, no, I would never quash that because I think, like, as I said before, like things that are cool uh, need to be in the game. I don't know. What do you think, Shelley? Um, kill them. <laughs> 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 no. I, well, can you just have whoever's... I mean, I would just say screw the initiative order. Just let them go for it. Yeah. The other people can delay their... or hold their action and just... I'm sure the rest of the party would be like, okay... I'll yeah, step I, back I, and watch. Right. It's all And because good. combat kind of happens simultaneously, even though we break it up into yeah. into turns, you know, I would just say, like, the one that goes first just does the first part of the move on their turn, and then whoever's going to do the actual finishing blow or whatever uh, would roll with advantage based on what that first person did or something like that. So that, you know, but it all has to be described in the action of how it's happening. So, um if one person is doing like a cool backflip, you say like, right. oh, you just try to describe it in a way that gets their, their teamwork to be the star of whatever move is happening. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, mechanically just give, you, you kind of have to let one player do the actual attack, um, but then just give a bonus onto that based on how cool the helping move was or something like that, or if they're doing it together. Cool, yeah, I love tag team stuff like that. Yeah. Especially I, I've played little characters in both campaigns, so I'm really hoping that people will throw me around. <laughs> oh, yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah, That's exactly. Special. Yeah. Yep. Right, so like, you know, the first character is the is the person who's throwing you. They make a, a strength check or something like or make an attack. And then if that's successful, then, you. Right. you know, then the small character would get their attack with advantage because of the yeah. success of the Just previous hope, one. hope they don't miss and like... Yeah, and then right. like, oh, chuck you out the window or something. Oh. We just we just splatted you against the wall. <laughs> Sorry, Taking more notes here. Yeah, I'll, I'll do anything for comedy, so I'm I'm game. Exactly. I see. That's now I want to play with you guys. I know. If you guys are we'll voices here, alone, yeah. seriously. We uh yeah well we're down in L A uh, more often more recently so yeah we'll do that. Cool. Sweet. All right, well, thanks, guys. It was really fun uh, uh, getting a little insight into yeah. into how uh, uh, Twits and Crits is made. 
And then where, so where can people find more information and find the show and more information about you guys too? Um, so every Monday, the cut down of the episode posts to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash funhouse, as well as the full playthrough, which posts to roosterteeth.com. And that's um, funhouse is F-U-N-H-A-U-S. Yes. For audio listeners out there. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, you can check us out. We're on Twitter as a team, at Funhouse Team. And my Twitter is at Elise Willems. Oh, uh, my Twitter is kind of hard to do. So <laughs> you, can, you can find me. No, no one needs to find me. Oh. No, spell it. Let us know. <laughs> oh, I have to look it up. That's. I'll please. tell you. I, I know <sighs> it. You it actually is. know it I think me. I know it is. It's, I think it's, it's at film D-S-T-R-Y-R. Oh. oh, boy. Question mark? Store. Is there a question mark at the end? Because <laughs> it says exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you can also, you know, if you want to get a hold of Dan, you can come through Funhouse. We'll tell you whether you can get a hold of him or not. Dan That's needs right. to change his Twitter handle. <laughs> Definitely, um, yeah. yeah. I now I feel bad that I'm like have uh, just my name as my Twitter handle. Yeah. Yeah. People should do it's that more. Name. Yeah. Greg Tito. Oh. I know. Right. Too many more famous people than me already have my name and my Twitter. So. <laughs> I guess that is right. You can't just be at John Smith. So you're like, I'll show you. I don't even or handle. I don't even know. I, I, can't, I can't even I can't, tell you. I can't even remember it. Only the hippiest <laughs> of, of, of Funhouse hipsters know my Twitter handle. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Dan's kind of underground. That's yeah. right. Yeah, you probably never now heard I of his. I really want to be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, guys. So cool. Uh, yeah, everyone go check out uh, 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 Twits and Crits. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to that crossover. I think that's going to be really fun. Thanks so much for having Thanks us. Thanks a lot, guys. No yeah, problem. Thank you. All right. Happy gaming. You too. <laughs> okay. Bye. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. That sounds like a really fun game that I want to be a part of. I am still amazed that Dan is relatively new to D&D. Yeah. And therefore dungeon mastering. And he's like, I'll do it on camera. And we, I didn't. Uh, the conversation didn't go that way, but I wanted to talk about like how much easier it is uh, to jump into the game now because there's so many actual play well, yeah. resources. I think he's a good testament to that. Exactly. I mean, like he didn't even sh- you know sound very uh, uh, trepidatious about no. it at all no. uh, uh, because there's Acquisitions Incorporated, there's Critical Role, there's you know their their sister show Heroes yep. and Halfwits that are just so many you know, podcasts. Plus, so many smaller ones. Yeah, dedicated exactly. Dedicated to D and D and teaching people and like Elise was saying people are very friendly and they in this community they want to help you they, they do. want to help you learn they always want it to be uh, a more fun game and to grow the community which I think is cool yes very cool alright good well, job D&D community well done pat yourselves all on the back <laughs> not if you're driving though. not if you <laughs> well, hands use the both your hands to pat yourself <laughs> on the back <laughs> while you're riding your bike hey mom <laughs> D&D told me to I have no teeth uh <laughs> That was awesome. So uh, in addition to following those lovely gentlemen and uh, that uh, lovely lady on the Twitters, where can they follow you, Shelly? Find me on the Twitters at Shelly Moo. And you can also find Avalon Hill if you're interested. Avalon Hill 2. The sequel. The sequel. Boogaloo. Electric. (laughs) Electric Avalon Hill (laughs) 2. Follow Avalon Hill. Avalon Hill is new to Twitter. So, you know. Follow us. It needs some friends. Yeah. Yeah. Be friends. And he got lots of fun stuff talking about with uh, with Widow's Walk. Yeah. I can't wait for that. Yeah, me too. Uh, you can ask me uh, some more DMing questions uh, like Dan peppered us mm-hmm. with uh, mm-hmm. on Twitter. I am at Greg Tito. And, of course, you can uh, bother Trevor Kidd on uh, the official Wizards account. Let's just give out his home phone number. Yeah. Too. His here. number is 555. <laughs> Five, 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 five. Ask him about his cute puppies. He's got brand new cute puppies. He's yeah. the best puppies. Yeah. They're Morkies. Yeah. And I was I constantly think of Robin Williams. Of course, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um by the way, your your DMing advice was very good. Oh thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I I, I didn't know I would uh love DMing as much as I did. But as soon as I started doing it, I was like, Oh man, this is I love all I love controlling people's fates. Yeah. So I knew that about you. <laughs> and making them uh, yeah. I like telling people what to do. I like uh encouraging them to make people laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a real <laughs> villain. <laughs> Laugh more. <laughs> nice. Uh, so again, Storm King Thunder is coming out very soon. Maybe even by the time you hear this, it'll be out. Uh, so go check that out. Giants are rampaging all over crazy. the Forgotten Realms. Uh, there's there's cloud giants who are crazy. There's storm giants who oh. are nice. Oh really? But crazy. And then there's uh, fire, frost, 
I'm looking at Shelly, and she's like, stone and hill. My favorite are the hill giants, I think. Really? Why? Yeah. Because they like to eat, and their most powerful person in their tribe is the person who eats and consumes the most. Oh, I'm a hill giant. I totally identify. I'm a very powerful hill giant. You're very powerful. (laughs) You can put as many halflings in your mouth as you possibly can. Or ice cream sundaes. You should have seen me this weekend. Is ice cream sundaes? Did you go to that new place? In in the Forgotten Realms? Have you been there? I'm like out of the. Out of the D&D world. You're totally going Ooh. out of the D&D world That's into really a whole new anyway, world. Filled with ice cream. Ice cream Yeah, in it's my a mouth. fantasy land. So A fantasy ice cream land. You can have all the ice cream you want. It next, makes you more powerful. Next Lori Chanel segment, I'm asking them, is there ice cream in the Forgotten Frost Realms? Frost Giants. Frost Giants? Yeah. Did Harshnag make ice cream? Yes. Is that why he is the, a hero amongst Probably worked at the small folk? Why would there be a friendlies? Because it's a fantasy. <laughs> and no food service Brian, workers you know are ever what friendly. Is? See, he doesn't know because oh. he didn't live on the East Coast. East Coast represent. Friendlies. Jim yeah. Dandy. Jim Dandy. Reese's I used to get the pieces. Jim Dandy all the time. Oh, I used to get the Reese's Pieces. Oh. Myself. <laughs> That's like one that like. You get you, it for yourself? All yeah. by myself. Yeah. Five scoops of ice cream. Nice. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? Why is everyone looking at me? I can handle this. <laughs> At least my banana Sunday had some, you know, banana. some fruit in it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Tell Quinn about that. I will. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right. So this has been uh, uh, Dragon Talk and, and a big diversion. Sorry. If you think diversions are awesome, you should give us a very high rating on iTunes, uh, <laughs> and or leave feedback on how we can always improve Dragon Talk. Uh, I think that little last five minutes is probably a good indication of how we can improve. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So I got excited about ice cream and friendlies. I, I miss know. friendlies. I love friendlies too. So yeah, go ahead, rate us. Uh, uh, and uh, that always just gets more people to uh, find out about this podcast and learn about role-playing games just like Dan and Elise have. Do you re- A diversion. Can I do another one? Sure. Okay. Do you remember before we, well, Ryan was recording this. Are you talking about your cat? About my dad. Yes. <laughs> So my dream job when I was little, although like I want to say like three, but I was like maybe like seven. I wanted when I grew up, and people are like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I was like, "I want to be a waitress at Friendlies." <laughs> I did not want to own Friendlies. I just I wanted to be a waitress at Friendlies. That nice. was my favorite place in the world, and I couldn't think of anything better than being a waitress. This is the cool part. I'm gonna read the hear the cool so part. So my dad one day came home with an application. And he was like, I was at Friendly's today, and by the way, you know, they, they're really excited for you to start in like seven, eight, nine, ten years, but go ahead and fill out your application now, and, you know, they'll hold on to it. I'm like, thanks, Dad. So I did, and then it took me many years to realize my dad was cool with that. Like, no, like he was just like, yep, that's my, my daughter. She wants to be a waitress yep. when she grows up. Well, <laughs> similarly, I wanted to be, uh, we were painting our house when I was like five or six years old. My, my dad you know, didn't pay anyone to do that. Of course, he painted his whole house himself. Oh, so every single time they asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was like, I want to be a house painter. Oh, really? Because I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Oh, yeah. It's like the hardest job in the world. It is, yeah. yeah but now, but now it's it is cool. Good for you. I, I have never painted a house ever, but I wanted to. Really? Because I important. did wait tables. And it sucked. <laughs> I did wait tables too. Not at Friendlies at Bickford's, which was like kind of a, a Friendlies knockoff. Oh, really? In uh, in Connecticut, yeah, hmm. yeah. Yeah. Their big claim to fame was they had a uh, an apple pie thing, like a big apple. It was called. That's not that big of a claim to fame. No, it apple really pie? wasn't. So this has been a, uh, wow. a fantastic diversion Tell from Dragon Talk. Tell us about your dream job. Tell us about your dream job uh, at Twitter, at Shelly Moo, and uh, it'll be amazing. All right. Yes. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Sorry.